We're going to look at verses uh, chapter 14. So two more Fridays after this in Proverbs. We're going to finish, chapter, finish up chapter 15, and then we'll move to Leviticus. So I got, um, I got my first uh, Leviticus uh, commentary today, so I'm going to be starting reading that, getting ready for that. So it should be a, a really nice time to go through Leviticus. And uh, let's go to uh, Proverbs 14, uh, 16 to 33. So Proverbs 14, 16 to 33. And uh, who would like to read uh, verses 16 through 24? Uh, I will. Thank you, brother. And who wants to read from verses uh, 25 to 32? I can do it. Sir, and uh, yeah, it's starting. A wise man fears and turns away from evil, but a fool gets angry and feels secure. Which a quick-tempered man acts in folly, and a man of evil schemes is hated. The simple inherit folly, the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow down before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. He who despises his neighbor's sins, but how blessed is he who is gracious to the poor. Will they not wander in error who devise evil? But loving kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. No, no painful labor there is awkward, but mere words from the lips lead only to one. The crown of the wise is their riches, for to the folly of fools is folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but he who utters lies is treacherous. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may avoid the snares of death. In a multitude of people is a king's glory, but in the dark of a people is a prince's ruin. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Tranquil heart is light to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. The wicked is thrust down by his wrongdoing, but the righteous has a refuge when he dies. Wisdom rests in the heart of one who has understanding, but in the heart of fools it is made known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. The king's favor is toward a servant who acts wisely, but his anger is toward him who acts shamefully. Great. So what did you guys pursue this week? What, what have you guys been uh, chasing after this week? Uh, what have you been working for? Was it a career goal? Was it pursuing a relationship goal, a material a goal? Was it the pursuit of comfort and rest or pleasure? Um, for me, I was trying to just recover from cold that had attacked me last weekend and and uh, well, Solomon wants to know how many people how many people here have pursued wisdom this week how many of you here pursued being a wiser man a wiser woman of God how many of you here have desired to grow in the expertise of knowing how to apply God's word in every situation of your day I mean, we all know God's word, right? We, know, we all studied a lot. We, we, we've read a lot. We've heard a lot of sermons. And, but to apply that 
on a moment to moment to moment basis. That's it's a lot. It's a lot harder than just just uh, um, storing up knowledge in our heads. Uh, here in, in these verses, uh, Solomon wants to encourage us to pursue wisdom. He wants us to. He describes character traits of the wise, in the hope of uh, uh, encouraging us to pursue. Uh, pursue the the goal of being a wise man or woman. He he describes the character tra character traits of the fool, hoping we would uh, avoid to that we would choose the, the other way. He, he and he does this by um, just simply describing the wise and the fool in verses sixteen through eighteen, but also by uh, telling us uh, describing the consequences. Of righteous and unrighteous living. And uh, verse 16 through 18, he simply just describes the wise man and the fool, hoping that one person will be more attracted than the other. That um, we would say, yeah, you know, the wise man, I want to be like him, and I don't want to be like the fool. And so um, in verse 16, he, uh, he, he begins by describing a a common situation, um, and that's um, uh, fearing evil. It's fearing evil. Because when we fall into evil, um, it's usually when. When do we usually fall, fall into evil? When we fall into sin. Yeah, but when do we fall into sin? Same thing. Uh, it's when our like, um, guard is down. Right. Our sense of uh, awareness. Yeah, when we don't fear it enough. Yeah. When we're not afraid of evil as much as we should be afraid of evil, right? See, we fall into evil because we're not afraid of we're not afraid of getting angry enough. We're not afraid of becoming more selfish enough. We're not afraid of lusting enough. We're not afraid of, of laziness enough. And so we engage in risky behavior. Right? We kind of put on Netflix and we feed our minds with these images that may not be uh, the worst in the world, but they, they um, numb us to the dangers of evil. Instead of uh, causing us to fear evil and to turn it off and say, hey, I don't want to do, 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 go into this, uh, th these shows and this entertainment that we feed our minds with, um, uh, help us to pretend that you know uh, sinfulness isn't 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 so bad. It isn't so dangerous. Everybody else does it, uh, and so uh, Solomon he knows this. He knows why we fall into evil, and so he says, you know, "A wise man is is different. A wise man fears evil, and because he fears evil, he turns away from evil because he was afraid of it." turns away from it. You know, when I see a, a big dog in my a little HOA complex, a big a pit bull, I run. I run. I turn. I just I just jet. Um, and oh, could we in the same way do that with evil, right? Um, when we, the first temptation, would we be afraid of it? Would we be afraid of the trouble it'll bring us? Um, those who Fear the Lord, uh, Lord they, they turn away from evil. But the fool, um, 
if you uh, look at the second part of verse 16, the fool does the op opposite. Uh, the fool, uh, get, not only does the fool not fear uh, the sin of anger, uh, the fool does the opposite. The fool gets angry and feels secure. Anger is the fool's security blanket. Because the fool feels powerful when he gets angry, right? What happens when you get angry? Well, why do people feel so powerful when they get angry? Because everybody listens to you, you know? Uh, when you get angry and you raise your voice, everybody starts listening to you. You're at, when you get angry, you, you start to be in control. And the chaos of the situation kind of dissipates. And so the fool uh, finds security in that anger. Um, but the God-fearer is not so self-confident. He, he or she turns away from evil at a moment's notice. Uh, the proud, the arrogant, they look at sin, they look at evil, and they say, you know, I won't get sick. You know, I, I can get through this evil and scathe. I can taste a little bit of this poison and I won't get sick. Um, um, Solomon says, don't be like the fool. Be like the wise men here. Uh, verse 17, we continue uh, with the fool who gets angry and feels secure. Um, he says, a quick-tempered man uh, acts in folly. Quick-tempered man acts in foolishness. Um, describe the, the quick-tempered man or woman. What are some of the characteristics of a quick-tempered man or woman? Quick to speak. Yes, yes. Quick to speak. What else? Reactive. Uh, emotion. Uh, yeah, overreactive. Yeah, yeah. Overreactive at something what? Really small, really silly. Something, something. Um, it just isn't worth it. Uh, there's the, they, they lack the sense of proportion, um, and their anger cloud their clouds this person's judgment. Um, we see. Let's go to some uh, a few verses in Proverbs about the quick temper person. Psalm 27 4. Psalm 27 4. This is more of a jealous person. Wrath is cruelty and anger is a flood. But who can stand before jealousy? Go to a Psalm, I mean, I'm sorry, a Psalm, a Proverbs 30. Uh, did I say Psalms? I'm sorry. Um, that was uh, Proverbs 27 4. And uh, Proverbs 30 33. For pressing milk. Uh, brings forth butter, and pressing the nose brings forth blood, and pressing anger brings forth strife. A little pressure, a little pressure, anger comes out, and then there's conflict, isn't there? Go to uh, Proverbs 15.1. The gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Go to Proverbs 29.8. Scoffers set a, uh, a city of flames with wise men turn away anger. So the, the parallelism, the antithetical parallelism, implies that the scoffers set 
cities of flame by their anger. I mean, you've seen some of the breakdown in, in cities in all of our all over our nation. And what is it? It's just uncontrolled anger and rage. And uh, it burns down a city. Uh, 20, 29, 2911, 2911. A fool lets out all of his spirit. But a, a wise man holds it back. A, 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 a fool can't keep it in. A fool can't keep it in. Um, but a wise man can. A wise man can just control it. Um, 1518. 1518. Chapter 1518. A hot tempered man stirs up strife. With the slow to anger, quiets a dispute. Then back to 29, uh, 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. A hot-tempered man, it just, it just the, the kind of sinfulness that they bring about is just numerous and numerous. It doesn't stop. Um, so going back to chapter 14, 17. You know, one, one of the ways... Um, that we can be less angry and less foolish and more wise um, is is to just recognize that so many things that we get angry about are just not that important, right? They're just not that important. Um, I, I was tempted to get really angry at, when I was, I told you about I was in New York and the guy took my parking spot. And uh, I was tempted to get angry. And my wife said, oh, there's a parking spot right in front of us, so I took that one. But you know what? It's just not that important. Parking spot, who cares? Um, it's just not that important. You know, sometimes you can have a Murphy's Law day where, where everything goes wrong. But if you think about it, all those little things that go wrong, they're just not all, all of them are just not that important, you know? You stub your toe, you can't find your wallet, you you know, you, you get out the get out of the road and you know, poor you know, you, somebody cuts you off and all these little things. None of them are important. And so we have to remind ourselves that this is this is just this is not this is not it's not a big deal. Um, we would be more calm and understanding if we could just um, recognize the proportion the sense of proportion that these little things are, 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 are where they are. Now, in the next half of the, the verse, um, it, it talks about a, a man of evil schemes. This is a schemer. Uh, a schemer, on the contrast, is a lot more disciplined the, than the hot-tempered man. The schemer knows how to keep a tight rein on his emotions. He has a cool head. He thinks clearly, he was forethought, he acts rationally, but sadly, his calculated mind is bent towards taking advantage of others for his own sake. And you know what? He often gets what he wants in the end, but what else does he get in the end? He gets hatred. <laughs> People hate him for it, because they know you scheme to get it. They, they know you stab people in the back to get where you've gone. And so you get a lot of hatred with your with your goals. The hot-tempered man fails openly and loudly. The schemer fails secretly and indirectly. 
They're both antisocial. They, they both don't love people. They have their goals and, and they pursue those goals in sinful ways. And those goals are all that matter. And Solomon says, you know what? You, you know what's more important than your goals? You know what's more important than achieving, uh, accomplishing your objectives? People are. People are. People are more important than accomplishing your objectives. The welfare of others are more important than your ends. Than your, they're more important. People are more important than your ambitions. People are more important than things. Always remember that people are more important than your things and your goals and your ambitions. Prioritize people. Prioritize people. And that's a lot of these descriptions here that talks about, you know, either hated by uh, people or loved by people, or you're blessed by the community, or you're, or you're, um, or you're cast off from the community. And, and Solomon is assuming that people are more important than things and goals and, and purple and and and, uh, and purposes and ambitions. And we look to uh, verse eighteen, and um, you, uh, Solomon uses this imagery of inheritance. And in the same way that you might inheritance a, inherit a large portion from your your um, your your uncle or your your father or your mother, um, the simple inherit folly. That's their inheritance. In the same way that an, an inheritance might uh, help you experience uh, more things in life, the the inheritance of of the foolish um, destroy them, and they're called the simple. Um, the simple accept everything. The simple have no discernment. The simple can't say, don't not say yes and no to this and yes to that. Everything's good. The simple is like an open door. Everything comes in. Uh, but the prudent, the thoughtful, the discerning, um, their discernment becomes a crown. Their internalizing of truth enables them to navigate their way out of danger. They're able to accomplish success. Um, you know, one of the, you know, John MacArthur, one of his gifts is the gift of discernment. He, he, he's such a great discerner of people and situations. Uh, remember when, I, I can remember when Mark Driscoll, he was a famous uh, pastor, and he was invited to T4G, and, and, and John Piper would invite him, and and John, very early on, and we even had some, uh, some some of our guys, some seminary guys, who really liked Mark Driscoll. I had a friend of mine, it's in, in my, in one of my classmates, he actually uh, graduated and went to Seattle to work for work at his church. And, and very early on, John said, hey, he's bad news. He's bad news. He, he's not like one of us. He talks like us, but he's not one of us. Trust me. Trust me. And, Was it more soon? Mars Hill, yeah. And uh, everybody thought John was a meanie. John, you're a meanie. John, you're just being jealous. And John, he stopped going to events where, like, sometimes uh, people would invite Mark Driscoll and John together. And, and, Mark, and John, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't go. He even wrote a few letters to Mark. Um, uh, Mark did a very, uh, uh, just a sinful provocative series on the Song of Solomon. It was just, uh, not a Song of Solomon, it was just really bad. And, 
or, or, or was it that? Or some passage, some book. And then John wrote him long letters, multiple long letters, saying this was the right interpretation. Uh, giving him a chance. Saying, hey, maybe, maybe he'll listen. Maybe I'll give you a chance. But this is, your interpretation of this is, is just off. And this is the right interpretation. And, and though, you know what, years later, uh, Mark Driscoll, everybody said, okay, you know. Um, years before, even Francis Chan, before he kind of went off on this weird thing, this weird path that he's on now, he's talking about the Eucharist and talking about how the, how the Eucharist is the, should be the center of the church. And he just thought, John was saying, listen, this guy's bad news. And he called it years before. He's going to do this, he's going to do that. He's going to do this, he's going to do that. And everybody will, you're so mean, John. You know, you're such a mean guy. Um, no, John was preaching the truth. He was able to the, the internalize the truth. And that discernment is, is, is like a crown. It's like a crown to him. And, um, and um, now a lot of people just listen to what he has to say. Verse 19. Verse 19. The evil will... Um, on, on the, 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 the prudent are crowned with knowledge. And one day, evil will bow down to those crowned with knowledge. Uh, the evil will bow down before the good. Uh, and wicked at the gates of, of the righteous. When you humble yourself, when you serve others with a pure heart, when you're faithful, ironically enough, you will one day become their king, their leader. Um, anybody have a, a good example of that? Where the, the evil seem like they win in the beginning, but then given enough time, the evil who may at first appear to triumph over the good and the righteous, now the, the tables turn, the situation is reversed, and some brothers bow down before another brother. Yeah. You have Joseph's brothers, right? Evil schemers. They, uh, they took their innocent brother, threw him in a pit, and years later, what were they doing? They were bowing down to him. And so God uh, he finds a way, sooner or later, to be able to turn the table. Um, 2,000 years ago, they took our Lord Jesus and they nailed him on a cross. They spit on him, they laughed at him, they mocked him. But um, this is it. This is what uh, Philippians 2.9 says about him. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. One day every sinner will bow to the Lord Jesus, right? And that's what uh, Psalm is, is saying here. The, the, the evil will bow down before the good. The evil will, will bow down before God's people in the millennial kingdom. But for now, the, the evil may be rich. Uh, verse 20. The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but love. But those who love the rich are many. You know, in, in, in Proverbs, the poor, 
they're often portrayed as maybe lacking material goods, but they're never they're never described as being without um, a, a, a degree of righteousness, a degree of wisdom and, and morality. The rich person is often in Proverbs portrayed uh, not lacking in material wealth, but lacking in moral assets. So this is how we have to um, look at verse 20. The reality in this world is that when you're poor, you're, you're even hated by your own neighbor. You know, of all, of all the people you're supposed to love, you're supposed to love your neighbor, right? I tell my son that all the people in, in his school that he needs to be most responsible for is it's his classmates. His class. He's got to take care of his classmates. And um, you can't love them. Who are you going to love? And But not the poor. Even his own neighbor hates the poor. Um, the poor often receive rejection by their communities. They're seen as a liability to, with nothing to offer. And um, here it, it says that the, those who love the rich are many. And Solomon, Solomon's, Solomon's point in verse 20 is don't, I, don't become too poor. Don't become too rich. You know, stay right in the middle. Because when you're poor, you're hated by everybody. And when you're rich, you're loved by many people, but you're loved by the wrong kind of people, right? The people who love the rich are not the kind of friends you want you want to have. They just want one thing from you. You're a you're a you're a tool to them. So um, wealth, poverty, both are things to to avoid. If you got if you have kind of a middle middle class kind of lifestyle and income, just uh, be be content with that. Be content with that. Rich people have a lot more problems than you think they do. Um, now, Solomon is not saying, again, Solomon is not saying that you, 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 you have a right to hate the poor and that it's okay to love the rich because of verse 21. Verse 21 helps us uh, uh, not misinterpret verse 20. He who despises his neighbor sins. If your neighbor is that poor person, and, and you despise him, that's a sin. But how blessed is he who is gracious to the poor? You know, the world might hate the poor, despise the, the, the poor, but not believers. Not believers. Believers who are gracious to the poor are blessed by God. God sees that. And this, this graciousness, this word for gracious, it implies pity, and mercy, and generosity, because God wants you to love people because they're made in the image of God, not because they have something to offer you, or not because they might uh, be a burden to you. Um, don't be cold. Don't be heartless toward poor people. Um, you know, sometimes I serve at my son's school, and once in a while, you see a boy or a girl all by themselves, you know, sitting at the lunch table, uh, playing outside, and, and uh, I'm always saying, there's one new boy at our school, uh, and uh, he doesn't play with the rest of the boys. And every day, I'm saying, Paul, did you ask him to play? 
Did you ask, what, what's his name called? Alan. Alan. I said, hey, did you ask Alan to play? Did you ask Alan to join your group? And Tom, not yet. But he's going to get there. He's going to get there. Um, because uh, that kind of that kind of heart, when you harden your heart to one person, it just it, it ruins you more more than it does the other person, doesn't it? And when you open your heart, when you're compassionate to the to the poor, to the one person who has no friends, that does more good to you than it does the other person, right? Create creates a kind of uh, heart that's compassionate, and um, everybody loves a compassionate person. So. Never, no, never close your close your heart to the poor. No. You know, even a even a even a homeless person in the street. I, I don't I don't give them money, but I I I always try to pray for them at least. You know, I never kind of want to walk by a poor person and not at least pray for them. Um, that, that 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 just protects my heart from being indifferent to suffering, whatever the cause, whatever the cause. Maybe often self inflicted, but at the very least, you can. You can pray for the for the, the poor and homeless person on the street, and uh, maybe walk by and say, "I'm praying for you," you know, um, and then quickly run to the bus before they get you. Right? Um, but uh, show some kindness. Show some kindness to the poor. Um, we we move to verse twenty two, and uh, now uh, the one. The one who despises his neighbor in verse 21 now devises, devises evil. He moves from despising his neighbor to planning evil. It doesn't stop. Derision of others leads to the scheming of evil. And Solomon says these kind of people who devise evil, who plan evil, they're, they're wandering. Wandering in, in error. They're lost. Hopelessly lost. They're going to die without hope. And what's implied in verse, the second half of verse 22, if the if those who devise evil uh, wander in error, um, it's implied that those who devise good, plan good, will not wander. They never stray from the right path. They're on the they're on the road to the right destination, and we go to someone who is um, gracious to the poor. We go from we move from that to uh, someone who is shows loving. Um, uh, it's, uh, we move to, to, to someone who's gracious to the poor, to those who plan good, who devise good, and God shows loving kindness and truth to them. Other people show them loving kindness and truth. Verse uh, uh, 23, um, uh, this next proverb now kind of uh, uh, fleshes out uh, fleshes out the lives of those who plan and devise good. Verse 23 says, uh, those who, um, uh, those in all painful labor, there is profit. In all painful labor, there is profit. Those who devise and plan good, those who work hard, honest, honestly, they're rewarded with material gains. Um, and uh, this prophet has the, this connotation that 
You know, when you work really hard, when you're diligent, when you're honest, when you're faithful, you get more than you expect, right? You get more than you expect. Um, everybody I, I know who, um, who's kind of been industrious all their lives, they, usually at the end of their lives, they, they have a lot more than they think they do. But on the other hand, he said, Solomon says in verse 23, but mere words from the lips lead only to one. There are people who just talk and talk and talk, and, uh, and because of that, because they never back it up with action, there's always great need in their lives. There's always want. The wise are hardworking, but fools are idle talkers, always talking about big dreams when they don't know how to be faithful to just the little things. Verse 24, we see the crown again. And uh, the crown is a, the crown of the wise is their riches. And yes, uh, Proverbs has talked about, um, you know, the, the, that the wise shouldn't trust in their wealth and and the wealth shouldn't be should you know wealth shouldn't be pursued but sinfully, um, but at the same time there there often the Lord rewards our virtue with material wealth not always but often and often, sometimes a wealth can be a sign of God's favor it can be a crown um, if you're faithful for a long time. Um, you never know. God might surprise you with uh, with the with the crown of wealth. I can I, I've shared this before. I can never. It's one of my favorite stories. That I'm, you probably saw it. The, the guy he worked for Burger King for 27 years. Now never took one sick day. 27 years, and his bosses, his boss and his coworkers decided to reward him for 27 years of faithful labor. He got on the bag and he put it on Instagram. And this man was honestly, I watched it again today just to, just to get my facts straight. He was so thankful. And he opened the bag and he said, Oh, I got two pens, you know? Oh, I got a Reese's Pieces bag of candy. Um, oh, I got a movie ticket. <laughs> I got to a Starbucks thing, and that was it. And he said, said, "See, this is what you, this is, this is what you get for 27 years. It rewards you, and man, I'm just so thankful. I am so." And he meant it. And and people are watching this. This is saying, "This is so pathetic. What kind of boss? What kind of coworkers? You know, there was things like, oh, I got two lifesaver, two two lifesavers. Woohoo!" Guess what? His daughter uh, uh, put up a GoFundMe, and it, get, it raised over four hundred thousand dollars. And uh, he got the four hundred thousand dollars, and the article said he still hasn't missed one day of work. He's back at it. Um, you know, God sees that. Sometimes he crowns us. Sometimes he crowns us with riches. But the folly of fools is their folly. Uh, it's a boomerang effect. They, they throw out foolishness and it come, comes back to him. 
Um, we move to verse 25. And uh, Solomon, in verse 5, earlier in chapter 14, talked about the, the characteristic of a faithful witness. Uh, he or she is a guy. Uh, but now, in verse 25, the, the focus is on the effect, uh, the consequence, the good consequences of, of somebody honest. The truthful witness delivers souls. The truthful witness saves the innocent. They bless the community they live in. They're a blessing to others. Um, but he who breathes out lies is deceitful. And by implication, he does the opposite of delivering souls. He throws souls under the bus. And he's a, he's a curse to the community. And so... Um, Honesty is sorely lacking in our society. Uh, bravery, courage, and uh, we see that uh, our cities are falling apart. Yes, because of the politics involved. I, I don't doubt that. But but more. But what, what it really is, it's just wicked people doing evil things to each other. That, that, that's the, the heart of the issue. Um, verses uh, twenty six and twenty seven. Uh, we see kind of the, the very theme of Proverbs, the fear of Yahweh. And uh, we see, you know, when you, when you fear Yahweh, there's strong security. Children have a refuge. The fear of Yahweh is a fountain of life. Just turn aside from the stairs of that. You know, my children are so blessed to have two Christian parents. They're so blessed. They have two Christian parents who... Uh, teach them the word of God, who, who expose them to the church, the blessings of the church. Uh, my kids don't know don't know how good they have it, um, and, that, and, and, and that's what it says in verse twenty six. The fear of Yahweh is a strong security that the children find safety and refuge in God fearing parents. Um, the fear of Yahweh is a fountain of life. Um, the fear of God is a Gives my wife and I hope every day. Um, every day we have hope because of Yahweh. Um, the fear of Yahweh, Yahweh helps my wife uh, and I avoid uh, um, kind of habitual sinning. You know, my wife and I we sin, but we know how to stop. We know how to turn it around. And we know how to get on the right path. And um, that's the fountain of life. We, we turn around, turn aside from the snares of death. In verse 28, you know, above all people, a king needs to fear the Lord. Above all people, a king needs to fear uh, needs to fear the Lord. What is a competent king? Somebody who's just, righteous, truthful, kind, pure, gracious, discerning, inscrutable. He disassociates himself from the wicked and sober. And, and when a king's that way, when a king fears the Lord... People will support him, right? Verse 28, in a multitude of people is a king's splendor. When you have a godly, a righteous ruler, all the people will support you. But what happens to evil rulers in the dearth of people is a prince ruler. There's no support. No support. Sometimes you learn of dictatorships. What happens when they, as soon as they lose their power, as soon as they get old, they're out of there, and they're in jail because the, the, there is no, there's no, there is no support by the people. 
I know that um, in Singapore, when uh, was it? What's his name? The the guy. Lee Kuan Do. Lee Kuan Do. Yeah. Uh, Lee Kuan Yew or something. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Man, from the, that was the guy that from the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. He was uh, just a, the people loved him. People loved him. He had his uh, faults. He had a strong hand, but um, when he died, it was just a, a national mourning. Lines and lines of people mourned this uh, this righteous ruler's death. And we need we need more leaders like this. We need more political leaders who are righteous. Um, And the righteous leaders can, can really unite people, even uh, red and blue. I'm not trying to, I'm not plugging, you know, Ron DeSantis, but I know that in the state of Florida, um, in, in the last election, he won a county that was has been always um, always a blue county. And he won it by, by a mile. And uh, the NBC, they even reported this, they sent people to a democratic area trying to find people who hate Ron DeSantis. And this was right after a huge hurricane where Ron DeSantis just like had it cleaned up in three days. So this is right after that. And so they sent reporters to find somebody who hated him. A Democrat. They couldn't find anybody. And they said it. We tried to find somebody who doesn't like him. Um, and uh, they couldn't find anybody. If you're righteous, a righteous a leader, Everybody, everybody recognizes. Everybody recognizes across the aisle. They recognize the righteous leader. Um, they recognize a good character. Um, verse twenty-nine. He who is who's slow to anger has great discernment. He who is slow to anger. This idea of slow to anger. Um, the picture is literally he who. Relaxes the face, right? You know when you're a patient person, you can see it in somebody's face, right? You know when you're uh, standing in the line and somebody messes up your drink and uh, you don't say anything, but inside you're kind of annoyed, they can see it in your face, right? They, they see your face isn't relaxed. <laughs> they get intimidated. The one who's slow to anger has a patient face. He's relaxed. He can control his emotions. He's not ruffled. He's not going to overreact over a silly coffee drink. He trusts in the Lord. A patient person, somebody who's slow to anger, they give other sinners space to repent. Patient people uh, help those who sinned against them. They help make them feel like it's safe to say sorry, right? Wouldn't you like to be that kind of person or when somebody sins against you that they know you're so patient and so slow to anger, they know it'll be easy for them to come to you and say sorry. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nice kind of person, right? Um, they come to you and you're not gonna, you know, uh, you know, Get them back, or seek revenge, or um, um, put them in a situation where they regret coming to you. No, be slow to anger, and it, and it characterizes the Solomon uses the word great, great. 
he has great discernment. Because patience is so unnatural to human beings, because patience is so godlike, Solomon says this is this is just great. This is great discernment. Um, verse twenty-nine. He was quick-tempered, raises up folly. That's the flip side of that story. They sin fast. They they respond quickly. And they show they're the, they're the greatest fool. Um, and, and you see that in all those TikTok videos of somebody who just blows up in, in some store. It's the first thought you think. What a fool. What a total fool. Um, we have a word, a word for it, right? Karen, right? Got a Karen. Oh, there's a Karen there. Right? We all know a Karen. We, we all know a foolish Karen, right? I can look around and see if there's a Karen in the room. <laughs> We didn't care in our church. Um, don't be a fool. Um, now we go to verse 30. Um, being godly is, is just it's just healthy. A tranquil heart is life to the body. You know? Jealousy is rotten to the bones. Filling your life with God's word is healthy to the body. Every year I go to the doctor's office expecting. The doctor tell me I have 30 days to live. He looks at me and says, everything's great. Everything's good, you know? And I leave, I get some donuts and a celebration. <laughs> it's wonderful. That's what God's word does for me. I know people, like, a lot younger than me, you know, 200 pounds less than I am, and they're high blood pressure, they're taking pills. And I'm, I'm like, open it down. Because I'm going to word it every day. And, uh, I believe it. And it, it helps me. Um, jealousy. Jealousy is rottenness to the bones. I mean, stress and anger and strife and fighting and conflict. It um, takes a toll on your health and your bodily health. And Verse 32 is the conclusion of, uh, of, our, of our section, and, and this is the climactic conclusion. The wicked is thrust down by his own evil, but the righteous takes refuge even in his death. Um, even when the wicked person dies, even in his dying days, his last days, he still doesn't turn to the Lord. He, he still doesn't take refuge in, in God. But even when the righteous... When they're about to die, um, they they're not defeated by evil. Um, even as death, they take refuge. They, they find peace because they know where they're going. Um, this is, the, this is the, the, the riches of wisdom. This is what um, the benefits of knowing how to apply God's word in your life, to be an expert at applying God's word. There's, there's so many benefits. And so uh, this week, would we pursue wisdom? All the things, other things we got going on, all the things we, all the other things we're pursuing. Let's pursue wisdom. Let's let's pray every day and ask God and say to God, God, I have all this truth in my mind. I have all this truth in my heart. Would you help me apply it? Would you help me live it out? Would you would others see that I'm that I'm that I'm obeying your word? 
that I'm a wise man, that I'm a wise woman. Would that be our prayer this, this week? Mom, this weekend. Mom, 